Well, uh, good morning uh, to everybody. Uh, if we've not met yet, my name is Jesse, uh, but for the duration of this series, you can just call me Professor J, Professor J, if you like, uh, because we're in school now, whether you like that or not. Some people this week call me Dr. J. I don't yet have my PhD in this stuff, so, yet, so I don't want to assume I'm Dr. J, but uh, we, we're doing this series uh, called Disciple 101. Uh, the, the idea of being a disciple is being a student. If you're a parent, you recently sent your kids back to school and they learn some things, uh, and you're thinking, yay, I don't have to go to school right now, but, but that's not true, because today, and next week, and last week, uh, we are going to be in school together for a moment. So the, uh, the word disciple, as I said, it means, means student. Jesus had at least 12 disciples, and depends on how you count them up. There's moments where he had 70, and there's moments where he had over 300, but, but these are just followers of Jesus. These are people who decided to be students of the teacher, okay? And so the idea of being a disciple is is that you would, you would draw close to your teacher and you would learn everything that that teacher has. It was a different model then. Uh, imagine if we had that model today. You're in ninth grade, you have algebra, and your algebra teacher goes and says, oh, you get to be in my class now, you're my disciple, you're my student. I need you to come follow me around for the rest of the year. You're going to go with me to the market basket, you're going to go with me to Walmart, you're going to go with me to, you would just follow the algebra teacher around and hopefully you learn some math along the way. That's not how we do school now, but that's, that's what it meant to be a disciple then. And so when Jesus invited invited his uh, uh, people, his first followers, to follow him. He's inviting them like, hey, I will, I will pour into you as a teacher pours into a student, and I invite you to just come and learn my ways. I'm going to teach you some stuff about what God is really like, things that you, you don't even know. It's going to blow your misconceptions out of the water, uh, but I'm going to tell you what God is really like. I'm going to tell you what God really expects of you. It's different than what you maybe have been taught, but if you follow me around for the next three years, uh, I, will, I will teach you what God is like. And as the, as the disciples drew close to Jesus, they learned those things as like a, like a classroom would, uh, but, but they also learned to live like Jesus. They learned to look like Jesus. The more they hung out with Jesus, the more they acted like Jesus. In fact, the word Christian, uh, it, was a, it was like a slur when it was first used, but it was like, you guys just act like Jesus. You're like little Jesus, little Christians, little Christs. Uh, that's where the word Christian meant. And, and the slur, the Christians, the believers are like, I don't know, I kind of like it. Like you, You're really trying to hurt my feelings, but sticks and stones, you can't get me, sucker. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a little Jesus. And so what we're invited to do, I'm going to grab my table real quick. What we're invited to do as, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, is to grow more like him and to day by day look more like our teacher. And so if you were here last week, let's look at the syllabus, if you will. Um, Last week, uh, we covered three things, and I'm doing this in, uh, in triplicates, and so what would be really three specific sermons that we could stretch out, we're just packing three sermons into each week. That's, that's kind of our goal today, even. Last week, our, our three messages uh, that were on the syllabus, one is this, is that disciples, disciples are called to love one another just like Jesus did. Disciples are called to love one another the same way that they have learned that Jesus loved them. What, what we learn is that as we grow, in, as, as, as Christians, as we grow as believers, we may have been confronted with the, an initial love of Jesus, and, and we confessed him as Lord in that moment. But as we grow, it, it becomes more and more obvious the, the extent to which he loves us, the extent to which he loved his disciples. And every time we learn that lesson about Jesus, his followers, his disciples, those who are learning the ways of Jesus, are called to love others nearby the same way that we realize that Jesus has loved us. It's a steady, growing moment. 
The second uh, piece of the syllabus is that as, as we uh, get close to who Jesus is and we see what God is really doing in our community and in this world as he's, as he's reconciling the world back to himself, it turns out that God is a big fan of inviting us to participate in what he is a part of. And so the second thing we talked about last week is that disciples give themselves to God's mission. As we see God accomplishing things, as we see, as we see the, the vision and the mission of a specific church body or the vision of an, of, and a mission of a, maybe it's a nonprofit organization that says, I believe that God has called us to this activity. As we see God's mission moving forward, then we as disciples participate in that through giving of our, of our time, giving of our energy, giving of our resources that we are invited to participate in the work of God, not because he needs us, but he, it's, it's an act of a disciple to say, I get to participate with the teacher. I get to participate in what God is doing. And then the third thing, uh, I even had somebody ask me this uh, this morning. Uh, hey, how, how you been resting, Jesse? Well, I took a wonderful nap uh, this week, and I'm so happy. But disciples, it turns out, um, they rest well. They rest well. Specifically, they rest well by taking it all to Jesus. It turns out that this world has a lot of darkness in it, doesn't it? It turns out that there really is a storm in the Gulf right now that is really a reason for concern, a reason for preparation. Uh, and disciples are told to take all the burden, all the heavy ladenness, all the brokenheartedness, everything that's in your life that is just really honestly too big for you to carry and you were never designed to carry anyway, to take it all to Jesus and say, I can't carry this, will you carry it? And Jesus says, if you do that, I'll give you rest for your souls. Oh man, that's beautiful. Rest for your souls. I, mean, I could be well rested. I could have. I could have had a great nap. I could have had like good ten solid hours of sleep, and my soul still be frantic with anxiety and worry and frustration and the pressures of all the things that I put on myself that God never put on me. And Jesus says, "Just give me that. Just lay it down, and I'll give you rest for your souls." Okay, so if you weren't here last week, yeah, you, you, your attendance record will reveal that. Uh, and uh, you need to go see the principal and you'll get your homework assignment, which is to review those three pieces of the syllabus. This morning, I want to look at three uh, more things. Uh, if you have your Bible and you want, to, you want to follow along on your own copy of the scriptures, I'll start in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. Uh, let me get there real quick. And the, the first thing we're going to say is this, is that uh, disciples... Um, worship God as he really is. Disciples worship God as he really is. It used to say, when I first wrote this, disciples worship God as he is, but I had to add the word really because there's a lot of people out there who say what God is like. Well, I've got, I've got the divine living in me, and I just, no, then you just worship yourself. If, if everything inside you is all that is good, all that is holy. Uh, no, we worship God as he really is. Not who people say he is, not who people assume God is, but as God reveals himself through, through scripture, through the interactions of other people, as we see God's work at hand, a disciple learns to take their worship and just throw it at God. It'd be helpful right now if we defined worship. Uh, I think a lot of times we think of worship as just that one moment of three songs that we just did, that worship is just music. Uh, worship is so, so much more than music. I'm going to give you a really simple definition of worship. This isn't going to mean the glossary at the back of the textbook. It's not. I like this idea that I'm pretending to be in class. Uh, worship, worship is forcing your attention onto a thing. Worship is, is focusing your attention on a person or an object. In any activity that you do where you're taking your attention and de devoting your space and your time and, and reverence towards that object or that thing, that's, that's worship. And what we see is that disciples, 
you and I, as we grow in the Lord, as we grow in the knowledge of who he is, what he's like, as our minds are like really stretched, they explode really. Like we can't even handle the things that like we're knowing about God. Uh, as, as we grow in that, we focus our attention on those aspects of who God is. Look with me in Ephesians uh, 3, if you would. I'll start in verse uh, 14. This is Paul, he's writing, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus. That's why we call it Ephesians. And he, and he starts talking to them about why he's praying for them. This is beautiful. This is, this is beautiful. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees before Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, the, last week we were talking about the riches of his mercy, that, that God is filthy rich in mercy. It turns out he's also filthy rich in glory. Like he's got a lot of glory. And he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. His prayer, Paul's prayer so far is that, that not, not according to how strong you are, not according to how strong you feel in the moment or how, how big of a problem it is that, that you're facing with your job or how big of a problem you're facing with the gulf. Not according to any of those things, but according to the riches of God's glory, he's praying that you will be strengthened, that you will be increased in strength. Let's keep going. Strengthened with what? With power through a spirit in your inner being. Now we're back to the soul again. Like, we're not talking about, you know, some of you can, can bench press a little bit and you think, oh, I'm pretty strong already. I don't need any of that. We're talking about your inner being. We're talking about like something deep inside you. We're talking about your soul. That you'll be uh, in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength. There's that word again. It, it, it takes an act of strength to focus your attention on God. It takes an act of strength to say, no, I'm not going to focus on the thing that the world says. I'm not going to focus on the storm right now. I'm choosing in, in the devastation of that news I just heard, I'm going to choose to flex this muscle that God has given me, and I'm going to choose to focus on him instead. It says that being rooted and grounded in love, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What are we trying to comprehend? What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? It surpasses knowledge. Paul, Paul's doing some like weird like uh, word gymnastics at this point. He's, he's done a couple of backflips. I don't know if you've saw it yet. That, that it takes strength to focus your attention and to comprehend with all the saints, the things that all the saints are learning. What is the breadth and the length and the width and the height and the depth and the color and the smell and the whatever other attributes. One of their, all of these things of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. It, what, what Paul is saying here is that you're never going to like finish the syllabus. You're never going to learn so much about God. You're like, and I'm done. I know everything there is about God and his love for me. You're not. And if you keep, if you keep trying, if you keep driving at it, you'll keep digging into that hole and it gets deeper and richer and deeper and richer throughout your entire life. Yeah, you can stall out. Like you could be, you could be a second grader and you've accepted the Lord and you have a, a, a knowledge sufficient for salvation as a second grader and just stall out at that moment. But if you wanted to, if you want to keep digging, you're going to find a new treasure underneath that one. You dig again, you find a new treasure. You get, you get close to a group of people who love the Lord and they're sharing with you what the Lord is doing. You dig that one and you're like, it turns out God's, that's big too. And then, and then you say, you know what, I want to, I want to focus my attention. I'm going to make a, a practice of focusing my attention on God. And then, and then you just get into his word and you see more about his character. You keep digging and you'll never find the bottom of the well. And it gets richer and richer and richer. As we focus our attention on God, as we worship him, 
We're going to begin to comprehend with all the saints, as Paul says, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Why? That you may be filled with the fullness of God. When we, when we focus our attention on God, when we worship, he says that we're filled with the fullness of God. I think, I think there are a lot of saved people that run around with like a quarter of a tank. <laughs> they just, like they worshiped like a month ago and it was good and they've been just sprinting for a while. Maybe, maybe you feel like this sometimes. You've just been sprinting. You're like, I feel like I'm running on empty. Okay, worship. Focus your attention on God. Grow in, uh, with all the saints, the breadth and the length and all these things, the love of God that surpasses knowledge so that why? So that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God is capable. Whatever you've been praying for this week, he can do that and then some. He can do things that we've not even thought to ask him for right now. He can do far more than anything uh, we've asked, abundantly than what we've asked or think, according to the power at work within us. To him, verse 21, to him be glory. There's that word again. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You know, Paul, he, he, sees, he sees this act of worship, or, or, or a drawing of attention towards God, as this thing that fills us up. God doesn't, his attributes are true whether we realize who he is or not. He, he, is, he is crazy in love with humanity. He is powerful. He is rich in glory, rich in mercy, even if you've not realized it yet. But it's when we discover it, that act of discovery fills us up uh, in more knowledge of who he is. I don't know if I actually have time to do this, but I wanted to read uh, a psalm real quick. It's not going to show up on the screen. And if I run out of time, I'll blame uh, David, the psalmist. Uh, psalm, uh, you know, a lot of these psalms are just like things that somebody was going through. They went through a hard season and they, they started praying. And this is, this is the prayer that fell out. I'm going to look at Psalm 57 real quick. And here's what's happened in Psalm 57 is David, uh, he's been hiding from Saul. He's trying, somebody's trying to murder him. Like he's being hunted through the wilderness. And now he's hidden into a cave somewhere. And after God uh, delivers him, he writes this worship, this song, this, this, this prayer, and, and it focuses his attention on God's glory. L listen to it. He says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge, in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He'll put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth or spears and arrows, whose tongues and are sharp swords. Anybody have friends like that? Just like people gnawing on you? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Here, here's why I read that psalm. David has some dude trying to hunt and murder him. And when he sits down to praise, he talks about how good God is. God is. 
And he just repeats back to him all these traits that he knows about God and his glory and how he has a steadfast love and he, he reaches out for you. When, when we as disciples go through hard seasons, we are strengthened by reminding ourselves of God's characteristics. We talk maybe too much about our problems and remind ourselves of the characteristics of our problems, but we would do well and we would grow more if we reminded our hearts of who God is. We sing those songs that he silences the storms. He, 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 the darkness has no power over him because the disciples worship God as he really, really is. Okay, let's go to our next lesson. We're going to be in Luke. If you want to turn there, give me just a moment. I don't, I, one day I should invest in like a bookmark or something. That would speed me along here. Luke chapter 9. The second thing that I want to look at is this. It's not a popular one, so bear with me. But disciples practice surrender to God daily. Disciples practice surrender to God daily. This idea of surrender is not fun. It's not, it's not even American at this point. We are Americans and we just, we don't surrender. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I will fight the fight. I will, I will go to battle, but I'm not going to surrender. And yet Jesus was very clear that disciples will be in the act of surrendering to God surrendering willed, surrendering volition, surrendering to his purposes. Uh, there's a podcast that I listened to uh, a while back. I haven't listened to it in a while. It's called Startup. Uh, if you're into podcasts, you'll like this. If you're not, bear with me. I'll just nerd out for a second. But uh, the idea of startup is uh, they, they go to different businesses as they start up. So it's an entrepreneur. He's like, I'm going to start a business on computer chips, and I'm going to do this. And so they, would, they will follow him around for about five or six episodes. And it's always like a business-minded thing. But this one time, the, the startup uh, podcast, the host and all the people, they decided to follow a church during a church plant. And so they, they would go to this pastor who says, I'm going to plant a church. I think it was in Philadelphia. I'm going to plant this church in, in Philadelphia. And, and the host would just follow him around. Like, what's that like? What's it like to plant a church? And kind of followed him to business meetings, followed him to as he's networking with other pastors. And there's this moment in the podcast, it's right at the end, uh, that the, the pastor, the church planner, uh, he goes to a retreat. He goes to a silent retreat, and the, the podcast host is, he's like a, uh, he, formerly he went to church as a kid, but, you know, he's in his 30s or whatever. He's like, he hasn't been to church in forever, uh, and, and, and now he's going on to a silent retreat. So he turns to his friend, I think his name was AJ, the, the, the pastor, and he says, AJ, I, I'll do this with you, uh, but I have no idea what to do at a retreat. He goes, okay, well, here's some things that I recommend. He says, uh, I, uh, when, I, when I go, I, I, like to, I like to practice three things at a retreat. I just, if, if I can just get a blank page, three blank pages, I'm going to write at the top of the first one, I want. On the second one, I'm going to write, I fear. And on the third one, I'm going to write, I surrender. And he says to him, he says, here's what I want you to do. You have, you have three hours. So for the first hour, I want you to just focus on what you want. As you, as you spend time with God and you're praying, uh, what, do you, what do you want? And he's like, okay, I can do that. And then the second hour, uh, during, during that moment, uh, I just want you to focus on the things that you fear. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done that, but that's, that's, a, that's a moment of realization. If you just sit and think and tell God, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of not measuring up. I'm afraid of, of not being good. I'm afraid of fill in the blank. And you just tell God, I'm afraid of these things. And, and you lay those down at his feet. And he said, in the third hour, I want you to do this. I want you to say, I surrender. And you write out all the things that you're willing to give to God. You just surrender them to him. So this host, he goes off and, and he's, he's, you know, as a podcast does, he's telling me, the audience, like how, what his experience was like as I'm hearing recordings of it. And uh, he said, I, I had no problem telling God what I want. I have a whole list of things that I want. 
Uh, and so I did. I told him everything I want, what I want for my kids. Parents, you can relate to that. What I want in my marriage, what I want in my, what I want in my uh, workplace. I told God all the things that I want. And then it was time for me to tell God what I fear. And I, I don't know, it caused me some pause. Like, how do I, how do I be honest with him and with others? Like, what, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I might not be able to make this. I'm afraid that I might not be able to put two and two together. I'm afraid. And so he talked to God about what he's afraid of. Then he gets to surrender. And he spent an hour with a blank page. Because he said I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I haven't followed God in so long. I can't, I can't surrender any, anything to him. And that was the end of the podcast. That was the end of it. Just this guy like wrestling with the idea of surrender. I think, I think we as Americans, we've lost the art and the responsibility and the freedom, the freedom of just surrendering. It turns out God's willing to take from us the things that we surrender to him. Look with me in uh, Luke chapter 9, please. I'll start in verse 21. What's just happened uh, right before this is, uh, you may know some of these stories, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with the fish and the loaves. You know that story? It's a good one. Uh, like a big highlight moment, right? Exclamation point. Following that in Luke, uh, you have this moment where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, I think you're the Christ. And Jesus says, you are exactly right. For God revealed that to you. That's, that's like, oh, yes, big exclamation point. And like, we remember those stories. And now, now read this one. This is immediately following, uh, who, do, who do they say that I am? It says in verse 21, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. I think you're the Christ, Jesus. And Jesus says, you're correct. And then he tells them, don't tell anyone. Why? Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. Can, can I just say something? Uh, it, it, this, is, this is powerful about what kind of Jesus we talk about when we go to church. If, if you're far from God or if you're just kind of like, oh, I need to test out this Jesus guy, like what kind of person is he? Let me tell you what we just saw. Jesus did two very big things right before this that he could have just rode on the, the fame of it all. He fed 5,000 people. Do you have any idea like what kind of presidential campaign you can run after feeding 5,000 people? Vote for me. One fish, two loaves, I'll feed the whole nation. He could have gone the fame route. He could have gone the power route. He could have gone the clout route. But he says the I'm going to go the suffering route. I'm going to choose to suffer. I don't want you to tell anybody what you just said about me because I, I don't want them to assume that you're right. I don't want them to know this just yet because I'm going to go suffer. He says, I must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus, the one whom we worship, the one who Christians celebrate, he chose suffering over personal comfort. But keep going, verse 23, and he says to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He says, if you're going to follow me, disciples learn to live and act and do life the way that their teacher did. If you're going to follow me, I'm going to ask you to deny yourself. I'm going to ask you to, to take all of your, your mission, all of your will, all of your uh, you know, things that you are going to do, and one by one deny those things in yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. I said last week I have a cross wall and it's really beautiful and how weird that would be if it was like a, an electric chair. Um, that, hasn't, that, that image hasn't been redeemed yet. When he said take up your cross, he's saying here's what I want you to do. Uh, put your best clothes on. I want you to take up your cross, the thing that is going to kill you one day, the thing that is going to cost you everything, 
and I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. The image, the metaphor would be Jesus in front, walking towards, obediently towards his suffering, carrying his own cross. And all of his disciples, whom call him Lord and call him teacher, just following along and one by one, denying themselves, taking up their cross, and following him. The cross is the source of pain. Everybody's afraid of pain. Everybody wants to push pain away. And Jesus says, I want you to take up the source of it, and I want you to carry, carry it, follow me with it. The cross is the, is the source of fear. If you lived in that time, you saw a cross. I bet, I bet there were kids that were like, they would misbehave, they'd do some graffiti on the wall, and the parents, while they're getting a spanking, were like, you know, they might put you on a cross one day if you keep doing that, you stop doing it. It's just like a source of fear. Like parents are punishing their kids. That's a really cruel punishment. Maybe they didn't do that. Um, the cross is uh, disgusting. The, tr- the cross is, is anti-glamorous. No, nobody goes to the cross and ends up being famous, except for one guy. His name was Jesus. But everybody else, they've just forgot about. He says, I want, you to, I want you to take up your cross daily, and I want you to follow me. Deny yourself. Follow me. We're called to surrender to the king. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. He says, all the effort that we do to try not to take up our cross, all the effort we try to do to not deny ourselves, um, that's actually going to cause us to lose ourselves in the end. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Uh, when, I was in, when I was a teenager, the first time I've heard that verse, whoever's ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of him. When I first heard that verse, it was, hey, you sh- you, teenagers, you should go talk about Jesus in your schools. And that's true. I, th- I believe that that's true. I just don't think that that applies for this verse. The, the thing that Jesus just said is, don't go tell them that I'm the Christ. And now he gets to this about denying yourself, take up your cross, follow him, if you're ashamed. What he's saying, the ashamed is that we don't want to carry the, our cross because it's a symbol of our shame. It's a symbol of our pain. In some ways, it's a symbol of our mistakes. You go to the cross in that day because you committed a crime. You, you would be ashamed of that crime. You, you and I, um, we all have a past mistake. Some of us really have more regrets than others. And, and, and we, want, we don't want to live in the, in the, we don't want to be defined by those mistakes, Right? Then we, we hide it, we deny it, and Jesus says, I want, you to, I want you to own it. I want you to carry it. You're recovering from A, B, and C, fill in the A, B, and C, whatever. Your, your history is full of X, Y, and Z, fill it in with whatever. And Jesus says, deny yourself. That doesn't define you, but carry it forward. Carry it forward. It says in verse 27, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, that's a good promise. Now, um, he's talking to them about what is about to be revealed, this idea of kingdom of God. If you're really interested in the kingdom of God, I've got great news. The next series is all about the kingdom of God, so I'm not going to go into it too much right now. But this idea that if you deny yourself and carry your cross, you might get to see the kingdom of God. The thing that God is doing is really a powerful metaphor. So um, any, anybody like a, like like Gladiator and like old movies where there's like battle and there's, there's like Braveheart, like freedom, like it's time to like ride a horse or something. Those are awesome, awesome stories. Um, all of those stories, part of the reason why they're so great is that they're pre-internet. They're pre like pick up a cell phone and say who won the war, right? Um, 
To get messages across the battlefield was really, really slow in that time and in Jesus' time as well. So I want you to imagine this idea. Uh, you're Caesar of ever how big the Roman Empire was. It's thousands of miles in all directions. And, 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 and somebody, you lose like the northern territory. How long does it take before even Caesar finds out that he lost a piece of his territory? It takes a minute, doesn't it? All the people in that territory, it takes a while before they even realize they, they got a different king, you know? Uh, so let's say, let's say Caesar loses the Northern territory to, uh, the Germans. I don't know if they're like in war at that time, but the, he loses to the Germans. And now there's that Northern territory. If you're a citizen of the Northern territory, you are either a citizen of Caesar or a citizen of Germans. Uh, but you don't really know yet because you don't get the cell phone. You don't get the newspaper. It's like, who's in control right now? I don't, I don't really know. And so there's these moments where a king will, will send his, his troops into battle. They will win the battle, conquer a land, and then, and then there's like this delay before the coins get there to like prove who won the land. And the citizens of that land are kind of in a moment of, huh, I kind of have to choose between my two leaders right now. I have to choose between my two kings right now. There's a, there's a huge overlap here because, because what we read when we celebrate that Jesus went to the cross Whenever Jesus paid the price, he, he humbly was the suffering servant. Is that, that he's our king? He went to battle and he conquered death, guys. And he's going to come back and it's going to be really obvious who's in control. But in between then and now, we live in this in-between moment where there's like, who's in control of all of our world? Who's, in, who's the rightful king? Is it, is it, is it fear? Is it, is it my past? Or is it Jesus? And to see the kingdom of God is to celebrate today, right now, you and I as disciples celebrate that Jesus is king. We'll choose to do things his way. But disciples, uh, I'll get back on point. I'm trailing off. Disciples practice surrender daily to God. Um, every day, you're confronted with opportunities to lay down pieces of your agenda, pieces of your wishes towards God. Uh, the more you do it, the easier it comes. The more you do it, the more joy you find in it. That, that it turns out Jesus is a gracious Lord. He's a good Lord. He's not cruel. He's not a cruel king who wants to manipulate you or hurt you or overtax you to death or, or overburden you. We talked about the rest that he offers. But he does ask us to trust him with some things. And we lay it down at his feet and we daily surrender to the Lord. Okay, let's go to the third thing. Uh, the third thing is this, is that disciples bear witness to the glory and work of God. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, if you want to follow along. First Peter chapter 2. There's, um, there's something about uh, being able to be a part of the work of God, being close to people that you work with, is that you get to see like what they're really like. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever had these opportunities, but there, there are moments uh, where I uh, remember even as a child, uh, it might be like a football coach or uh, uh, just another person in the community that I really looked up to. Uh, they, they, they did no wrong and they, they were flawless in every way. And it was, it was my great honor and great joy to go and intern with them or, or try to, to get close to them, just work with them in some way. And it turns out, apart from Jesus, ain't nobody perfect, okay? So we've talked about that. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. That's okay. Um, but the closer you get to somebody, the more you realize what they're really like. 
the more you realize their character, their nature. And as, as we learn to grow uh, as disciples, then you learn, uh, you and I, to forgive one another and to celebrate, like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to bear each other's burdens and we're going to, as iron sharpens iron, uh, we're going to, to get better and we're going to draw closer to the Lord. But when we, as disciples, draw close to God through worship and we get to see his characteristics, what he's really like, as, as we as disciples get close to God's mission and we decide, I'm going to participate in that, then we're getting close to God the Father. We're getting close to who Jesus was. And we, go, we start to see his characteristics. We start to see what he's doing. It is our great honor, privilege, and duty to declare as disciples the, the work and the glory of God as we've witnessed it, as we see what he's doing. Has God done something great in your family? Have you, seen, have you seen loved ones um, come to the Lord? Uh, ha, have, you, have you been praying for God to provide for a certain thing in your family, and, and after, after you didn't know how it was going to come to be, it's just like boom, 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 it just happened, and you're like, golly, man, God, it, God is good. Have you ever been in a moment, uh, is that me popping? Uh, have you ever been in a moment where uh, uh, you, you were just, a part of a group on a missions team or just a part of a group of just in a community group and there's prayer. And then someone told this crazy story. You were like, I, I knew God could redeem that. I knew God could rescue that. But to see it in that moment, you see it, you know it because you're close to it. You chose to be as a disciple. You obediently were, were moving towards it. And then we as disciples get to bear witness to the glory and work of God. Look at how Peter puts it in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Now remember, as we surrender things, as we, as we give over, we're going we're gonna to give over pieces of ourselves. Uh, the, the last point, we're going to give over pieces of ourselves. As we, as we come face to face with pieces of ourselves that don't match up with who God has called us to be, that's also things that we're going to surrender. Peter picks up on that same point, and he says this. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Oh, just surrender all that. Just let go of that. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Anybody here has tasted and seen that the Lord is good in your life? If that's true, if you've ever seen that the Lord is good, you've witnessed that in your own life, he's got some, some good news for you. He says, as you come to him, verse 4, uh, him being a, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. He's talking about Jesus, how Jesus was the cornerstone rejected by men. Uh, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men and in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So now, uh, Peter, the author, he's got like this Lego, uh, anybody like Legos? I love Legos. I play with Legos with my kids all the time. He's got this Lego idea and you have to have a really good foundation. You have to have a cornerstone. That cornerstone is Jesus. He's like the, the, the he's the big block at the bottom that you start with. You know what I mean? You got, you can't just like build a tower. It'll fall over. But if you start with the big block, the cornerstone, Jesus, you're good. But then just as he's the living stone, we also, Peter calls us stones and he's just building this building. He's building this tower this tower of his glory, that, that each, each layer under you is a generation before you that was obedient to their Savior, that was a good disciple who shared with you the message of Jesus and therefore built a layer above it. You right now, uh, the current living generation, is somewhere towards the top. And as, as you live this out, 
As people, as people reflect on your obedience to the Lord and they give themselves to the Lord, it's building the next layer of the Lego tower and just goes and goes. And he says, he says that we are like a spiritual house, a holy priesthood that, that God is building. Skip down to, to verse nine. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You, 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 you are the nation that God is choosing. I'm not pointing to Americans, I'm pointing to Christians. That God has called from all the corners of all the nations of all the world, a group of people that call on Jesus as king and says, I'm creating a new people group. They will be my follower, they're Christians. And he says, he's called us out of darkness into marvelous light, why? So that we may proclaim the excellencies of him. He's called us out so that we talk about how great he is. He wants you and I to just not shut up about how good of a God he is, how merciful he was, how gracious and patient he was as a loving Lord. That He, 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 he brought you out of whatever darkness you found yourself in because the truth is, is that we all found ourselves in some darkness at some point. Called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, once you were not a people. There was a time, everybody in here, you're all different. You came from different places. You have different heritages. I've got like, my family came from Alabama. And then before that, who knows, like, uh, like Germany. And some of you are like, no, my family's like from Japan. My family's, yeah, we're all different nations. If you look at our histories and our backgrounds, we, we, we all come from different, but no, we, we are now one people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we, we as, as Christians, as disciples, we're called to bear witness, to declare the things that we see God doing, the glory and the work that he's a part of. Uh, just an aside real quick, the Greek word for witness, you may have heard it before, uh, it's, it's the word martyr. It's the word martyr. And so this idea of being a witness of what God is doing also involves that surrender. It's the laying down and just saying, ah, it's not about me anymore. Following Jesus, it's not about me anymore. And when we trust him, when we trust our creator, we see that he adds onto us purpose and drive. He adds onto us rest. He adds onto us peace. He adds onto us uh, an expanding knowledge of the glory of his goodness, the, the immeasurable breadth of his love. He adds onto us these things, and in return, we reflect those things back to him in our worship in our focus. We reflect those things back onto him in our surrender as we, as we choose to just lay down pieces of our life that don't quite line up and surrender ourselves to his purposes. And as we do that, and people are like, man, what, what is making such a change in you? Why are your attentions changing? Or just in the midst of a conversation, you get to bear witness and share the glory and work of this great God. So here's what I want to do in closing. Remember, we're in class. We're disciples. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the, prof- uh, the, the PhD level of this. It's just like we're all learning to do these things. I want to bring us back to our, this closing statement and just ask you that, that as a disciple that you would, you would choose. Like, I'm, I'm going to focus on my teacher. I'm going I'm to grow more like my teacher. If you can put that up, please, Dave. It says this, I'm a disciple of Jesus. He, he's the teacher. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I'm learning to follow his ways. I'm not perfect. I'm just learning. He's the teacher, and I'm the student. And every day, I will look for opportunities to live and act more like he did, and he taught his others too. So this week, your homework class, uh, I don't know why C is missing, but I'll tell you what it should have been. Uh, That's my fault. It just didn't get added. Um, 
one is this week that you would focus and you would worship on God how he really is. That you, that you would, that you would uh, consider, like, how has God revealed himself to be? Maybe that's through a Bible study. Maybe, maybe that's through a message. Maybe you have a favorite pastor you listen to online, uh, and you're just like, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to learn more about who God really is, not who people say he is, not who I wish he was, but it, it's, it's always amazing to find out a new aspect of who he is. And I'm going to focus my attention on that through song. I'm going to focus my attention on that through just silence. Maybe you ride in your car, and for five minutes you're just in your parking lot in the silence. Whatever you do to focus your attention on God is to worship him. Maybe it's B, this week I will focus on surrendering my circumstances to him. Uh, surrender my circumstances to him. I, I was listening to another podcast, and, and this, this woman was talking about this terrible uh, news that she got about her, her child. She just had a baby, and how it rocked her world. And then there was this moment where she surrendered it, and she says, I have to just accept this is how the world is. I just have to accept that this is the reality of it. I surrender. This is here's the reality. There is a storm in the Gulf. It's just it's just how the world is. And when we say that's how the world is, when we surrender our circumstances to God and say, you know what, He's still good. He's still the Lord of the you know of all. He he. I've seen Him get our community. We can witness to this. I've seen our God get our community through anything. If maybe if anything, those who are in the path of the storm would find some strength in those who have have gone through it. Um, but we surrender our circumstances to God. We surrender our mistakes to God. We surrender, we surrender ourselves to God. And the third thing the C should have said, that we as disciples this week will focus on just bearing witness to the glory and work of God. What have you seen God do this week? What, what have you seen God uh, reveal about himself? And can you, can you just tell one other person? Can you share it? There are people in the, in, in, that don't have the same eyes that you have, who have not uh, had the same experiences with God that you have. And we would, we would bear witness to his glory. In closing, um, we, we talked about worship. This Wednesday, uh, we have a unique worship experience here at Carpenter's Way. Uh, we'll have some, some kind of stations. It's kind of a, a multi-sensory moment of worship. And if you would like to practice some opportunities to focus your attention on God in different ways, both through song and through other ways, uh, this would be a great opportunity this Wednesday. You'll hear more about that in the queue. But if that's not your thing or you're, you're busy otherwise, I would ask you this week, as a disciple, grow in an area of being a disciple. Let me pray, and then we'll watch the queue together. Father, uh, this morning, we thank you for your word and um, just the, the lesson to be more like you. I pray, Father, for opportunity, uh, just as a whole, as Carpenter's Way, that we would have opportunities to bear witness to your glory, that we would share of your work. We would, we would tell others um, of the good, good news of a king who has conquered death, um, and that we can, we can see your kingdom and be a part of what you're doing. Thank you for the privilege. Uh, to do so. And may we uh, just never tire of growing closer to you and, and growing as disciples of Jesus. We love you and pray this in his name. Amen.